Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Grace, and this is A Very Bookish Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 12. Um, Today we are going to be talking about a very special read that we had for the month of January slash February for our book club, um, A Very Bookish Group. We are going to be talking about These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Um, We really enjoyed this book, especially our book club. Um, She's a very up and rising um, author. She is still in university, which is crazy to think about, which it's insane. Because like she'll be on Twitter and she'll talk about like being in a class or the professor calling like class early or something like that. And I'm just like, sheesh I gotta remember she's still in school well I think it is her last year but it's still very inspiring to have like I'm still in school so it means I can get mine done oh, I'm yeah. still in school and it, it's just very inspiring that like she's like two years older than me I think because she's graduating this year mm-hmm. but it's like I have two years <laughs> um we'll and get it. I'll get it done we'll get it done um but today we are going to be talking a little bit about our reviews of um these violent delights we i'm gonna share my goodreads review and what i said and we're gonna talk a little bit about quotes characters the general plot line so this is a fair warning for spoilers for the entire podcast this is a full spoiler podcast for these violent delights yeah and i'm so excited for her new book uh it's a duology so it's our violent ends yes I am beyond excited. So I didn't realize that was a Shakespeare quote. <laughs> you didn't? Oh. Uh, I didn't realize it till I was looking up these violent delights. On it. I just like searched up to find quotes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yes, that's how the quote goes. These violent delights lead to our, these lead to violent ends or something like that. Yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> well, yeah, that just I, I didn't pay much attention well, in high school. <laughs> it, these violent delights have violent ends. There you go. Yeah, um, um, I didn't do Romeo and Juliet in high school. You didn't? <clears throat> no, well, high school was cool. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> just go ahead and just i guess grace I chose violence today i did where's my dagger I'm a <laughs> have it on me. no 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 that's not to call out or shit on anybody else's high school that's listening um just my school was very um new thinking yeah i mean like we did it for like freshman year and we like acted it out that's what we did yeah it was really bad that's why I remember nothing from it I wanted to do that so I'm mad that my high school didn't do it I've I like okay so quick story time before we really jump into things um I went into high school (laughs) granted I remember I was homeschooled for middle school so nothing really happened to me in those years and the only idea of high school that I had was high school musical so I went into high school thinking I'm gonna find the love of my life here we're gonna dance we're gonna go to games we're gonna it's gonna be like a movie that's what I went to high school thinking 
I get to high school my first day. I, as soon as I get into class, whatever class it is, you know, you go through your whole schedule the first day. When I went into each class, I quickly scanned the room to look for the love of my life. And I was so disappointed when I did not find it. I know. I'm sorry. Did you really think somebody were going to be the high school was going to be the love of your life? I really did. I like was just like, who's going to meet my eye? No. Okay. Oh, okay. Nobody. All right. So every class was like that. <clears throat> I get, to, I get to my history class. Right. And I do the whole thing. I'm like, Ugh, nobody's here. And you know, the first day of school, you're doing those icebreakers or whatever. This dude's next to me and he's like hunched over writing his responses to our little get to know me thing. And like, I'm just sitting there already done, arms crossed, just like this, you know, just like, okay, whatever, right? <clears throat> Completely standoffish. And like, he like is writing and he like looks up at me. He has a beanie. I don't really remember what his face looks like right then. And he like looks up at me and he goes like, hey. And he gives me like a nod. And I'm just like, hi. And I just like left it at that. Please. <laughs> And he just went like, okay. And then like, just went off to whatever. And that was my first day in high school. Flash forward, that guy ended up being my boyfriend in high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's the story of how we met and how we became so the lesson of the story is don't date a guy you meet freshman year who wears a beanie because it just ends bad <laughs> okay it didn't end badly I, I mean I still love him he's such a sweetheart he was the most polite guy so funny we were like the two as Maggie says I was popular in high school <laughs> um I played every sport, so I was- You were popular. I was, in a sense. Um, I, I was captain of every sport that I played. I played basketball, volleyball, and I swam. So I was captain of all three and really good. And he was like a guy, didn't play sports, but he was athletic. And he was like the type of guy that all the guys wanted to be friends with. Mm. So we were that couple. But we were low key and cool with everybody, so that's what that's what was us. We broke up. Things happen. That was what my story so far. But one more thing, last thing. On the second day, we were in art class. On the second day of high school, we were in art class, and our teachers like assigning us to whatever. I soon when I walk into the class, I see this girl. She's literally like the prettiest girl I've ever seen. Well, she's pretty. And she had like this really, really long hair. I'm talking about like down past her waist, long hair, really pretty, like naturally pretty. I'm like, gosh, I look at her. I'm so intimidated. I'm like, that's the mean girl. She's too pretty not to be the mean girl. Remember, I'm thinking high school is like high school musical. I'm like, oh shit, I got to keep away from her. I sit and my teacher ends up sitting us, assigning us to a table and then I hear her name being called, Janet. Oh, Janet, go sit at that table. And I thought, I'm like, fuck, it's my table. And she's coming over. She's still having a conversation with somebody who was standing over there. And she comes to sit right in front of me. And then she's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll finish talking later at volleyball tryouts. And I was like, 
what pump the brakes i'm sorry you said volleyball tryouts when where oh today oh and she's just like oh you play volleyball and i'm just like i mean i play a little bit and then she goes like oh then you should definitely come and i was just like okay cool yeah and like instantly she became one of my first friends and oh grace this is a tendency that you have where have you ever heard of a story called pride and prejudice Wait. <laughs> um, Grace, um, what have we learned from multiple situations where you judge people before you know them and then they end up turning to be really nice people, Grace? No, look, I was I was homeschooled. I didn't know what middle I was I didn't I didn't know what middle school That's was. That's your like. excuse. I was it homeschooled. It really is. Because like after that. It's funny because like this is just a whole a story about my high school. When we went to tryouts that day, my mom brings up my stuff. We sign the paperwork, and then like, she sees me, and we're being divided into groups for drills and stuff. Um, and she sees me. She waves me over. She's like, "Hey, here you are!" And I was just like, "Yeah, I'm so excited." Her and her sister, her younger sister, who was older than me, she was in eleventh grade. Her sister was in tenth. I was a ninth grader. I'm like, oh, "Okay, we're so nervous. We played at this high school," and I was just like, oh, "Okay, I play like on a couple other teams." And they're like, okay, cool. We'll tell you what to do. I'm like, okay, okay, right? <clears throat> playing drills and it's time to serve, which is basically where like they're on the end line and toss up the ball and hit it in play. And so everybody is hitting underhand, just socking it over. And I go back there to serve, it's my turn. And I see the coach walking around, you know, making notes. And I ask him, do I have to hit it like that? under and he's just like no just get it over any way that you can I'm like okay so I back up and I do a jump float serve serve which is how I serve because I played club volleyball since I was eight so I've been playing competitively so you're showing them how to be a bad bitch is what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) so then I go and play as I serve this is such a movie moment I serve the first ball I'm really showing off here I'm sorry let me just live my moment but hit the net (laughs) no 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 (laughs) I serve it over and it lands right between two girls like they like to me it felt like it was slow but apparently to them they weren't prepared for it and like literally you just hear the ball hit the ground and then silence everybody stops in the gym and they turned to look at me and I was just like um okay so what you're telling me is you had a Wattpad high school experience (laughs) I did I did because after that after her drill ended the girl came up to me again Janet came up to me again she's just like oh my gosh you play so good and I was just like I mean I I said that I played before and she's just like oh but where did you play before how long you've been playing and then I give her my lineup which is basically I've club after club after club I've played in championships I'm a national champion at at 12 years old I was a national champion and um don't look at me like that and things happened and I've been playing for this long blah 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 blah. and they're just like oh my gosh so yeah that was my experience and had it not been for one girl who wanted to prove a point she ended up being captain. I was just like, it's fine. Like, I don't care about that. 
<clears throat> clearly I know more than you, but I'm gonna let you have your road, graduate, and then let me take over. Um, but yeah, I was most valuable player for all four years of high school and all league senior year. And that's all I'm gonna say right now because I feel like I'm bragging, which I am. Let me you all- have every right to brag because let's just let's all face the fact Grace was a bad bitch volleyball player in high school. <laughs> I really was. I really was. Um, See, definitely tell who had the better high school experience because I did not get attached in high school. My first high school I went to, I knew I was moving. So I was like, I'm not going to play any sports. I'm not going to try to get attached. Like I can't because I would leave. I, I was like, I was, I was literally like, I'm going to leave in a year and a half. Why am I going to like attach myself to a team and then like cry myself to sleep every night after I leave them? Like, I'm not going to do that to myself. I respect myself too much for that. <laughs> um, but let's segue now from high school into Romeo and Juliet with, um, these violent delights um kind of just to give a recap i'm going to reread the synopsis real quick off my ipad um just to kind of refresh everybody's memory um yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay i gotta get in my acting voice the year is 1912 and shanghai hums to the tune of debauchery a blood feud between the two gangs runs the streets red Living in the city helpless in the grip of chaos, at the heart of it all is an 18-year-old Juliet Kai. Sai. 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 It's Sai. I knew it because I read the book. (laughs) Okay. A former flapper who has returned to assume her role as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations. And beyond, behind every move is their heir, Roma Montagov, Juliet's first love and first betrayal. But when gangsters on both sides show signs of, of instability culminating and clawing out their own throats, the people start to whisper of a con. Contagion. <laughs> this is me just relearning words. I learned contagion, a madness, <laughs> a madness of a monster in the shadows. As the deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma, I'm really bad at this, must set their guns and what? I feel like you're getting nervous as you're reading out loud. I really am getting really nervous. I'm trying to. I'm too focusing too much on my voice. Okay, um, as the deaths, deaths stack up, Roma, Juliet and Roma must set their guns and grudges aside to, and work together. For if they can't stop this mayhem, then there will be no city left for either to rule. Perfect for fans of The Last Magician and, okay, never mind. Uh, this is a heart-stopping In this debut. Their reimagining of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet debut author Chloe Gong go. brings on a heart-stopping journey of violence, passion, and star-crossed fates. It's different in Goodreads. Yeah, um, it changes a little bit on Goodreads and Amazon. Um, yeah, I guess because they probably retype it and stuff, which I don't know why they wouldn't just copy and paste it. I don't know. Um, of it was right. 
You did well, Maggie. Round of applause. I get so nervous. I have performance anxiety. But it's just me, technically. Technically, I know, but like I'm thinking, like I gotta get my good acting voice on. I like read texts from Carly's boyfriend out loud, and like <laughs> I set, I like, I like will like talk and like I he puts like all caps. I'll be like then also, and then I go like back to my voice then also. However, <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to read my review first, um, and then Grace, if you want to read yours after. So I gave the book as a total 4.4 stars out of five stars, um, and said, so I hated myself because I read the first half of half, like a word hungry goblin wanting to read as fast as I could. However, my halfway point meeting for my book club, I got into a reading slump. I was so mad because I wanted to read the end. I wanted to read and know what happened at the end, yet I couldn't. Then it's like the gods heard my pleas and the audiobook dropped. The audiobook made the second half even more enjoyable. The first half of the book is a very fast pace. The second half is more slowed down, but there's more emotions at play between the two main characters, especially that ending. Girl, how could you really do that to me? <laughs> I recommend anyone who hates the common Romeo and Juliet trope to try this out. It definitely is a modern take set back a hundred years ago. The main characters are both equally mysterious and big personalities. The constant tension between the two of them causes you to eat the story up as fast as you could. Can't wait for the next book. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you said 4.5? I said 4 out of 5. 4 out of 5. Um, What'd you say? Me. Great. Obviously me um i gave it a five out of five. Oh, well i didn't hit a reading slump, so that's probably that I'm yeah saying. i think it's the reading slump that really caused me to give it a four out of five because like it, i i couldn't i couldn't rate it a five out of five because i didn't really get the full experience of like eating it all up in one mm-hmm. like a five out of five would be something that like i read in a day honestly that's for me is like a five out of five is something i read in a day okay i want to hear your review for it Okay. Uh, uh, my review is very short, so I'm going to more speak it after. This is what I wrote on my Goodreads. I'm going to go back and fix it. I promise I will. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. This is everything. That ending, the angst, not a typical Romeo and Juliet retelling, 1920s, the mystery, the drama, the betrayals. I love it all. That was end review that was it but like that's a good short review that doesn't spoil anything and that's the kind of review I like like my reviews I do it for other people not for myself but I like reading the short reviews where they give me is it enemies to lovers friends to lovers what basic plot what happens I don't really want to know what a lot that like angst enemies to lovers betrayal that's all I need and I got it <laughs> well, I actually when I was writing this review I was thinking of you I was just like, what would Maggie want? And so that's what I wrote. Yeah. But um, verbal review. This is my verbal review. Man, do I really like the storyline here. Uh, Chloe Gone, honestly, she made this retelling her own in every way possible, aside from a few major points. Yeah. In Romeo and Juliet, we have um, Juliet and his cousin, 
and his um, friend. And then we have the trio on the uh, the Capulet side, which is Juliet's side side with her and her cousin and Rosalind, obviously. And so we have the three of them versus the three of them. And each of them had their mirrored roles in the actual play. So we do have um, Mercutio, who is Marshall, and we have Benedict, who is ugh, forgetting his name, but uh, Romeo's cousin. And then we have Rosalind and Kathleen, which Rosalind is obviously mirrored as Rosalind. Um, but besides that, what happens between the three, those trios is very different from what happens in the actual play. Yeah, that's why I put in my review, like if you hate like the common Romeo to Juliet, like try this out because it really, it's Romeo and Juliet, but it doesn't like it, it doesn't end how, at least the first book doesn't end how the play ends. So it's a two part book, yes. So technically they could die at the end of the last book, but I'm sorry if Chloe Gong makes them die, I will be mad. I will be livid if either one of them dies. Somebody like, has to die. Well, like we saw. Okay, I would be okay with Roma dying. <laughs> well, somebody does die. I know because people have said it's really hard, like it breaks their heart. I know. But I think Juliet will be the one well, to live. We'll, we'll give her. her okay. We'll give theories at the end. Um, I'm, I'm- that this is a spoiler filled um podcast because like i'm like oh well you know this happened yeah basically yeah mercutio dies in the play yeah right marshall spoiler again um we don't need to spoil we already we already put a spoiler warning marshall does not die but he is his death is faked at the end of the that's how the book ends with him his death being faked um but let's start at the beginning and work our way so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about this first very first chapter i think it's it's the prologue kind of thing um it's the one yeah it's the prologue and in glittering shanghai a monster awakens that first the prologue hooks you in it is like it I don't know why, but it just like, it grabs you and it's a different style of writing that really pulls you in. Like it's not constant throughout the whole piece. Like there's not just chapters of that kind of writing. It's the only chapter, but it pulls you in. And you're like, well, what is happening? Like, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciated it. It was very interesting to me, like to start off the book with a prologue that has nothing to do with the main characters that we're following like this once this moment that happens that sets in motion everything else that's about to happen mm-hmm. and um basically what happens like you're gonna get a play-by-play of the book basically so what happens is like this monster crawls out of the water and you don't really know what it looks like it's just black it's this shadowy thing and these guys are walking on the deck of shanghai and we have the white flowers there and then a couple of scarlets there and the white flowers step up to the scarlets like trying to start something a security uh, a police officer comes trying to break them up but then this thing just comes over and pours over them like rain but it's not rain that's falling on them it's just these big things 
swallowing them. And one of them runs, is able to get away, but the other ones are screaming and tearing at their throats and digging inside of themselves as if something was in them and they're trying to let it out. And this one guy is able to escape and get away. Yeah. And it's just the visualization of it. It like, because it's not, it's, it's like an omniscient point of view is what I would say it is. It's a very omniscient point of view. And you're like, you're hooked in. Cause you're like, one, what is this monster Two, what is happening to these people who are literally like, they're suffering so much that they are literally killing themselves because they want it to end. And I find that like, Oh, and then when it flips over to the first chapter and um, was it in the first chapter that Roma goes to the club? Um, it's basically the first part. The first major things that really happen is that Roma goes into the Scarlet Gang's club, right? It is him. So we start off the chapter uh, in September 1926 um, with Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is in third person point of view. Um and so we're following Juliet in this burlesque club with her cousin Rosalind dancing on stage and Kathleen coming by as a server. And she's just kind of giving the lay of the land of her being back in Shanghai after being in America for years, for about four or five she's, years. She was in four, four years. She was in uh, America. She was in New York, right? Or Boston. She was in New York. She was in New York in america and and so she's coming back and this is like the height of the 1920s over there in america flapper dresses are big prohibition that whole vibe it's the roaring 20s in america going but in shanghai a lot of them still wear their um i'm forgetting the word i know what you're talking about um it's their i forgot what it's called because kathleen wears them all the time Kathleen and Rosalind. Okay. I'm going to interject while Grace is talking. I, one of the things that I like very much in this book is the Kathleen, the character Kathleen. Um, Kathleen, y'all already know it's a spoiler. We all know that Kathleen was actually Celine and Kathleen was born a male, but is identifies as female. She's a female. Um, and she kind of struggles. We see the struggle with her family where her father literally couldn't accept her until her sister Kathleen died and Celine had to take Kathleen's identity. Like that's the only way her parents could accept her. And I think it, it, it's, it's a very interesting take on the concept of like a parent being unable to comprehend that their child is transgender. And it's played very well set in this scene of like in the 1920s, they're away. I think in France, when this happens, when uh, Kathleen dies and Celine takes her, her identity. And I just, I, yeah, I love Kathleen as character. She is feisty. She's a spy. Um, Everybody talks about, she's the one who has spies in the communist party. She's a bad bitch. And I love her. Uh, she I I would say she's a trans woman yeah she's and, a trans woman yeah she she's very subtle and laid back and um 
but he and she's described as a pacifist though she is not unwilling to jump in and do what needs to get done for the safety of the family yeah she's one of those like i don't need to go out and inflict violence but if violence comes i'm ready to do what needs to be done mm-hmm. and for rosalind we'll get to what happens with rosalind later and um oh it's called uh i think so it's something like that it's like the traditional like um dresses that they wore i think it's kipo um it's it's q i a q i a i'm looking it up right now q i p a yeah um yeah it's a I, I don't know how to say it. Um, let me just put it into Google Translate real quick. Um, but yeah, I love, continue what you're saying and I can find out how to. So basically. Okay, here it is. It's Kipau. Kipau. I was right. Keep how. Um, so point is, um, they're in this burlesque club and we're going on and, you know, Juliet is not Chinese, a Shanghai, Shanghainese in a sense of her style. She's very 1920s. She's more Americanized. American. And so she wears a flapper dress. She, that, that like flat um, style um, with the like sparkly like things and that's her style and people know her recognize her because of how she dresses Americanized Juliet and she also feels like the stigmatism towards that because in America she's not American enough and in Shanghai she's not Chang- uh, Chinese enough so she does have that both and she's just like I'm just gonna embrace it and be flapper Juliet and so she's in the club and things are going and they're like okay so how are you going to be how do you feel coming back and this kind of she keeps mentioning how america was and how people in the gang are filled with in the club you see all these scarlets around scarlet businessmen and she's meeting a man there for her father walker mr walker paul mr walker i forgot what his first name is and they're going to do a deal because Mr. Walker is interested in selling product, which is um, an opium drug that he has come up with and he wants to sell it. So he's asking the Scarlet Gang to push it. But she and the Scarlet Gang are not interested in this. So she denies him this. All of a sudden, in comes in Roma. Roma, Roma Montagu? Let me just say Roma, Roma Montagov. The way that this man walked in, I was like, oh, man. I was like, oh. you, Roma. Margaret Karpenka, how are you? Thank you. go up and introduce yourself. I can totally picture it, too. <laughs> and let's say something real quick. The fact that this book has both Shanghainese and Russian. And- Shanghainese. Russian, what else? So many different languages that 
they that Juliet can speak French. I'm pretty sure she can speak French as well. Um, I'm amazed. Like I think I think we need and that English. more in characters and English. Yeah, like we need that more in characters where they're they are multilingual. And Roma himself is multilingual. He just doesn't he doesn't just speak um, Russian and English. He speaks also Shanghainese uh, too. Four languages. Four or f- seven? Five. Five? Regular um, Chinese. Uh-huh. Like, well, the, the Chinese, not Shanghainese, but like a more general. Um, yeah. Doesn't Chinese. have a dialect. Yeah. Uh, and then French, Russian, English, that other thing. And. Um, another one that I'm forgetting. It was two other small village um, type of Chinese. I don't. I don't say Mandarin because Mandarin is a another form of Chinese. Yeah, I think they do speak Mandarin though, don't they? Mm, maybe I don't know. We don't know. don't know, but that's kind of like the first time we see them together is at this club when she comes back and I think Roma is also taken aback that she's there as well he does not know she's come back yeah like she is just like hi and then like he like turns around and he's just like Juliet and then he he catches himself because he's just like I can't talk to her like that we're not close I need to address her as Miss Sai and right there you're hit with like the first thing like they know each other they have had something there's a they have history yeah you're hit with that their history though there it's just chloe why'd you have to do that to me why did you have to do that to me where i was like oh the way that it's unfolding because it's not like in one chapter you get a full scene it's that it's sprinkled throughout that you have to read it to catch up on it so continuing the scene um are we gonna go scene by scene because i don't think we have time for that i just want to get through like their meeting together because yeah. it was very significant yeah and so mama comes up to her and tells her like oh like this is have you heard of this incident that happened on the docks which is the incident that happened in the prologue which was what set everything in motion yeah and we're talking about, like how they don't want to help each other they don't want to work together they don't want to help each other give um information um and he's standoffish because she's seems different to him mm-hmm. but then she is angry you feel that anger from her already yeah. not knowing what's going on but you know something happened there and then all of a sudden this they start screaming and then you see the first victim that they see together the guy it's- that ran off at the fight at the end of the prologue the guy who ran away got away comes and in, barges into the club and basically dies kills himself yeah in front of everybody his neck and just to say the visuals of the the victims clawing at their neck blood squirting everywhere bone and tendons and like that's why i gave this book a 16 plus rating Mm -hmm. because the visuals of it's very descriptive and visually like jarring Mm mm-hmm these scenes of like the people ripping at their neck to the point where when I was reading this 
I felt like I was scratching my neck. Like, I'm like, I just felt it of how seeing how like Chloe was like describing this, like it was so mm-hmm. right there in my face. And because of that, I had to like up at the age a little bit. Yeah. It was, I will say it was a very graphic book. Um, when it came to describing gore and stuff, it was pretty graphic. Um, I mean, it didn't have any pictures like stalking Jack the Ripper, but it was still pretty graphic in the sense that you're like, oh, ooh, I don't want to, you're like, you're like skimming over. You're like, I don't want to read this. Mm-hmm. But I also think that like, it was done beautifully. Like the, how she portrayed, like how graphic and how, like how it made you want to scratch your own skin. And that's how you know she's a good writer is because you're like, oh, I need to like, I'm even right now thinking about it, trying to itch. I'm literally thinking about how I'm like, I'm trying to like, I feel like my skin is itchy. Yeah. Remembering of it. But yeah, so that was the first victim and then they go their separate ways. And then we see like Roma's family and we see their dynamic, but that was like their first encounter again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly like the encounter in the at the party. Um, in I forgot which it was in the first half. It was the party that they went to. It was the masquerade. Or no, that was the second half. Yeah, I'm like, girl, you jumped up way too much from here. But I'm I'm talking about their interactions. Some of my favorite interactions was the balcony scene where do you remember when he got up on our balcony? Okay. The balcony <laughs> The balcony scene, yes. It's um it's it, okay. it's cute. And it, it does kind of hit at like the Romeo and Juliet scene where it like the Leonardo DiCaprio one where he like throws rocks at her window. And like she opens it and stuff that it's very that and I appreciated she does do a little bit of like jabs and like talks about like Romeo and Juliet and stuff from Shakespeare and she puts those little Easter eggs in and I really appreciated that but the masquerade ball and the um, in the was it the writing place the newspaper when yeah with the hat scene in the hat where he left his hat and she was just like I'm just like um the scene where she pulls a knife on him god yes and he pulls out a gun on her that was good man that was like the smoothest like pg-13 talk here I swear that was like the sexiest move I've ever seen of a man not in high high fantasy Mm -hmm. yeah I really do well it's a very urban well I don't know would you consider it a it's a fantasy book because it does have some does it though really have any historical it's a historical fantasy yeah because we don't know if it's does it really have any magic in it don't think so no but it's um it's still fantasy yeah but but it was just it was really sexy to me because like they take each other down and she's on top of him and then she's threatening him with a gun and she thinks she's all that yeah she thinks that his gun is like gone already because he already had one right and then 
he just pulls it out of his boot or his his like holster by his ankle and then like clocks it at her and then he just says like did you really think that was the only one or something like that yeah he said did you really think i only brought one i was like and i was like sir how old is ramat right now let me let me see he's 19 thank goodness because man that man child it's it's a very it's just it's not even the fact that it's 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 the scene of it in the itself it's like the idea the concept of the scene where like the the knife it's the classic knife at your throat enemies to lovers scene that every enemies to lovers has and it is the best it was literally perfect because like it was like yeah we talk about like the knife against the neck trope right we talk about it all the time um technically the only ones that i have read so far that i've actually done it correctly is cruel prince from blood and ash the wrath and the dawn from blood and ash really does it <laughs> she did from spoiler alert for from blood and ash and a kingdom of flesh and fire she literally stabs poppy stabs him in the chest so yeah but it it's that like whole threatening against like the the neck and like that tension is hardly ever done it's more like they threaten them and then they disarm them and then it's the tension of holding them in place but the knife and the whatever is gone whereas this one they literally had the knife and the gun to each other holding it the weapons were not discarded. So that's why I think that this one was like one of my top knife against the throat moments. What would you give this? See? mentioned the tension. How many firecrackers would you give it out of five? Sorry, there's just a weird scratching noise in my room. Um, I would honest, uh, how many five, it's five firecrackers out of five is like the top tier. Up to your tension. How much tension? Six out of five firecrackers. It was good. It's it's a well-written scene where it's like you didn't expect it. That's the thing is you didn't expect him to pull out a gun. Because like Juliet, you're tricked to think that he only has one. Yeah. And he did it so smoothly that I was like, Poppy, come on. Like. (laughs) Did you just call him Poppy? I really did. Don't judge me. If I really like a man, you'll he- hear me call him Papa Papacito. <laughs> oh my god, Papacito. Um, I kind of wanted to share a couple quotes that I really liked cool. from the book. Um, so I put I did an Instagram uh, post for it, and my caption was: "Memories are beastly little creatures. After all, they rose with the faintest whiff of nourishment." Um. I just liked that quote a lot because um, I feel like it always it kind of has that memory where like you think you like a memory comes back to you and you're just like it might be a bad one or a good one you're like oh like it just the faintest bit of nourishment um, and it's like you always are constantly reliving memories mm-hmm. and for Romy I almost call him Romeo Roma 
and Juliet, they have that shared history. And we even see it where they both like reminisce about the past. And it's so cute. Especially her talking about how he like met her and like rolling the dice and stuff. Or was it marbles? I think it was marbles. But I was like, that's so cute. That's so cute. That chapter, they're, they're flashbacks of their childhood together. This is where, like, you know, they they bumped into each other a couple times and, you know, anger has been there. Um, they came back. So Juliet came back to, the, like, the Shanghai after some time. So she was over there for most of her life. Came back when she was around 15 or 10. No, 15 um and no she was around 13 when she came back and she came back and as soon as she got off the docks he rolls a marble to her he catches it and then she like gives it back and she doesn't know anything about him no he knows about her and he knows about her and he befriends her and then she finds out who he is and they still are friends they become friends and then they become lovers and they fall in love together and then the incident happens and that i honestly i still okay i get roma's reasoning like i would do anything to save juliet why not just run away where would they go 14 and 13 1920 that's yeah i didn't think about that either (laughs) but like but like she probably could have written it somehow (laughs) i know it doesn't create the tension that we needed i know but story where's the story if we know they could have come back um they could have been found after they had like escaped but like i just i understand like yes you wanted to save her Yes, you wanted to save her, so you gave up innocent lives to save her. That was just my one little ick where I was just like, So look, 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 look. I think, the way that I think it went down was basically um, Roma scheduled this bombing, but I think he did it at a time where he didn't think the servants would be there. Mm -hmm. The housing unit yeah that's true you thought that they were all going to be out doing well, their tasks do we he know going to be in there do we know how many people actually died in it because okay. i know her nurse did but like a few people did yeah only a few most of them were injured not they didn't yeah die. so death that really hit her i do yeah. get that i know he didn't so, it's just it's it's just a little icky where i'm just like I don't see, I am totally for Roma because I'm just like, yes, you did that. You understood. This is because then you also have to understand at a different time. Yeah, it is. It's at a different time and it's, and it's gang. And this is what they grew up with. That's how they lived. I I do understand that. Um, And like, especially with Juliet kind of betrays him when she gives away all like the safe houses and stuff. And Roma's mom is in one of those safe houses and they take her out. And like, I understand that. And like how it's like the, you want to get back at somebody who's hurt you so bad. So you don't even think. So you just do. And especially as a teenage girl, you're not going to think. That's what I think is like, they don't think 
yes, they are a little bit more mature as like a 13, 14 year old, but do, they don't, they don't truly understand the repercussions of their actions. They don't understand consequences. Yeah. Especially. And that's one of the things that Rosalind talks about too, that irked me with Rosalind is like, she was talking about it with, when she was like trying to get Kathleen to stop and she, she kind of like, was like, Juliet doesn't suffer any consequences. And I was like, yes, I get that. However, she has to deal with a ton of stuff. Like she, the weight that's on her shoulder and like Rosalind was like, Rosalind had that attitude of like, it should be me on top, not her kind of thing at the end. And I was just like, um, that's not how this works, sweetheart. Um, I did not like Rosalind at all. She always kind of gave me a bad vibe. Kathleen, however, I really did like her. Yeah. Um, uh, but honestly, Marshall was my my really. Marshall's the Cassian. That's why you like him. Am I wrong? A little bit, because he's not the love I want. I want Roma. I want Roma. But Marshall is the type of bro that I would want to have around. Yeah. Cassian, I'd I'd rail him. <laughs> Cassian, comma, I'd rail him is gonna be our quote. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not yes. Yes. Uh, I'll I'll give you another quote this this thing. Let me just think of one. Um but look, Marshall was my favorite because like the, 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 their introduction scene between Mar- Marshall Benedict and Roma, their first like scene together is they're on the dock and they're looking for clues as to what happened that first incident. And they're looking for clues and you're getting this information and the way that Chloe introduces a new dynamic of the character is so subtle and so flawlessly in flow with the storyline that you you wouldn't miss it but you wouldn't um think it would happen that way like marshall he's either bi or he's gay i think he's bi i think he's bi too but i'm the rep in this book great for the lgbtq plus because we got a kathleen who is a trans woman and then we have marshall who has had a scandal with um a guy in the closet and that's why he has like this tough exterior because he's just like no one's gonna make fun of me i'm gonna be the one putting myself out there putting myself like in the front of the crowd i'm gonna own it and i'll beat anybody up who tries to say differently. Benedict, on the other hand, is more quiet, more reserved. And we see that chemistry between the two of them where, again, it's so subtle and so like in flow that you yeah. just, you're like, are you're like, they? Are, especially with Kathleen, you're, it was a very, it wasn't like, oh, she was a male. And then she wanted, she decided like, she knew she was a female. No, it's a very gradual thing where Chloe mentions her Adam's apple that she covers with her uh, pendant necklace. Um, she mentions like the story behind Kathleen was Celine beforehand and then mm-hmm. Celeste. Mm-hmm. She was Celeste. Celeste? Yeah. It was Celeste? Yes. Why did I think it was Celine? Oh, you like Celine's name a little too much. 
I'm gonna tell her that. Well, I'm thinking Celine with a C. Oh, Grace froze. But mm-hmm. it's not okay. I'm gonna look for this real quick. I need to look for this. What scene? What scene was that where they talked about it? And it's about. Well, actually, you, you can just go to that part where Kathleen is talking to Rosalind. Yeah, what scene? What part is that? That's just before they go to. Uh, right here. What page? It's page. Oh, wait, no. I went a little bit too far. We're looking for this, but this is important. We can do some book flipping ASMR while we're at it. I don't remember, but I, I don't know why. I keep thinking it was Celine was her name. I don't know why. It's... I like how we're not even finding. It's a little bit... Okay, I got it, got it, got it, got it. Again. Oh, it's Celia. Celia, we are both wrong. We were both so confident and both so wrong. But I was closer. <laughs> Celeste. Celeste. Celia. Celine. Celia. Celine. Celeste. Celine. Celia. Celeste. It's suh. Like a suh. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> the way Celia. that is like her story kind of goes in you get like a brief flashback into her but then you don't it's like again it's not all up in your face and that's kind of like how I I would want rep to be done where it's like it's just in flow it's not like all up in your face this is what the book is about because the book isn't isn't about Marshall and it's not about Kathleen it's about this rivalry between the two of them and this this madness that's going on within the city but you do get those key moments of them and their identity like they're not their identity is not everything that they are yeah they are well-rounded characters where they have a life they have responsibility they have people that they love they have family they have all of these things that they have to make them a full rounded character. Whereas like where other books they try to throw in rap and it's just like, okay, that's all you're there for. You're not there for anything else. And that's the difference between tokenism and like actual representation. And that's why I feel like Chloe did an amazing job with the rep. Not only, you know, like it being in Shanghai and like we get the, um, the, the different races and ethnicities, but also sexuality yeah really big thing and um it was just really important it was a really carefully crafted book I think we could say it was a beautifully crafted where you can tell she 
didn't really want to tell you outright things. You kind you had to keep reading in order to find out what she wanted to tell you. She gave you bits and pieces so that you knew something was there, but you didn't fully know until she decided when to tell you. And it was perfect the way she did it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like rushed. It wasn't anything like that. It just kind of happened. And that's why Marshall is like such a great character because like, um, you get that one line and then you don't get much else just yet. And I feel like his story and his relationship with Benedict is going to be further explored because like you get hints that Benedict and him might be something, but then you're also like, is that something or is it just like a friendship that is really closely bonded? Yeah. Marshall, he's Korean. He's not even Chinese. Yeah. She's he's not even from Shanghai originally he was like found and then they got picked him up and they basically adopted him into the family yeah. and um he the fact that he's Korean I really like that too I just I like that there that Marshall was not just you know another white boy yeah Russian white boy you know and Roma is not even really that white like russian white because she when she's describing roma she's like saying that he could almost pass for chinese had it not been like a couple of his features shifted yeah yeah i'm looking at like the white flower art um uh, yeah benedict is blonde which i didn't think about that like yeah, because um, when Benedict is described, he's described almost like almost like an exact copy, almost an exact copy of Roma with a couple of differences. I didn't really pay attention too much when I was listening to that part mm-hmm. because um, so I can't really remember if he was described with blonde hair in the book. But that fan art is like literally amazing. We'll post it to our story. Yeah so that way those of you guys listening or watching can definitely go back to our story to see what art we're talking about though I'm sure most of you guys know what it is yeah Um, and um Marshall was just like really awesome I do think that Benedict and him have like something but then also that scene with Marshall and Kathleen felt kind of like tension it did it did right because I literally thought like um I thought he was but maybe he's not and maybe he's both maybe he's bi and so that's why that's why my theory is like is he just gay or is he bi because it was just like I don't know that scene with Kathleen felt very different Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know that she's trans woman no I don't think so no one really knows no No one one really knows everybody thinks that's Kathleen because Kathleen was an actual sister so they just assume that it's Kath- Kathleen and not Celia and not Celia um he, Juliet is the only one that knows but yeah has been verbally confirmed to her yeah knows. um and so uh so then that also kind of brings in the question like if something does happen between Marshall and Kathleen are we gonna will, see like how that dynamic is going to be shifted like what I want to see Marshall find out. Like, will Kathleen tell Marshall about it? How will he find out? 
if that is a possibility yeah you know I'm interesting to I'm interested in seeing how that conversation is gonna happen because he just did like that I'm telling you that scene was just something because like yeah he was told to follow her but he could have followed her at a distance and he didn't have to interact with her he didn't have to save her from that and like pull her away and like protect her when the the policeman came you know he didn't have yeah. to he did and so it makes me think like does he find her attractive does he like interested in her does he know maybe suspect of what she is so maybe let's let's get into the theories then do you think that something will happen between him and kathleen or him and benedict or both okay so i was talking with kate earlier at nautical reads hi kate if you're listening um i was talking with her about this and i was just like what if he this is like the first time we ever see a throttle yeah because benedict is more quiet and reserved yeah or that would be like oh like you know that would be a cool thing if it had been all three of them but then at the same time i'm like they don't they don't ever really worked that well and so then i thought about like what if marshall and benedict did have something I, w- I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Marshall ended up with Benedict. But Kathleen needs somebody. But that too, but that too. So then I was just like, but I also want Marshall to end up with Kathleen because I would like her to end up with somebody who's genuine and who I like, with which I like Marshall. And Kathleen deserves somebody who understands her and who accepts her and wants to be with her. And that's why I'm hoping both at the same time like that's why in my head I think throuple but like also I'm realistic that's not really gonna happen um without it being over sexualized because that's bound to happen with like couples of three you know so I don't want that to be happen but it it, it does end up happening and so do I want Benedict or do I want Marsh uh Marshall with um Kathleen mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know yeah I so I think that because we know there's a spy mm-hmm. in the group. I'm just kind of starting a new theory. I think we literally talked about this in our group, our book club. I think Rosalind is the spy. I second that. I second that. I for sure believe that Rosalind is, is the spy and she gave um, Lord Sai the information. I'm t- totally taking over your theory sorry but i think she gave lord Sai all of this information to gain favor and become the new favorite possible heir she wants but my thing is it's not like the montagovs where they where it's out of favor you're the heir it's you're the heir because you're born to be the heir for the scarlet gang yeah but Tyler is technically also an heir too. He's not mine, but he is in line. So that kind of goes into what do you think will happen in the next book? I let's get this straight out of the way. The way that Marshall died. It's gonna cause quote, problems. Quote unquote died. And just that whole scene in the hospital room was really emotional and really like heavy um because we see that Roma's view of Juliet is completely distorted with 
her telling all of that stuff about Roma's mom and then her his mom ended up being murdered because of the information that Juliet spilled out of anger because it was her fault and she did that to spite him he will hate her for this and he will view her I've said this a couple of times in our other groups he will view her as somebody who has become the monster that they both feared that they would become you know in the face of their gangs and their families and he will hate her and not trust her and not want anything to do with her for a while Benedict is heartbroken because of Marshall thinking that he's dead that cliffhanger leaves open that many other hosts the host the host bug like left the body and he ended up finding another host um but like he ended up finding another body and more of the insects were released that's what we heard the screaming so my theory is is that like as this city is like going off and they have to go find the person again they have to find the manufacturer they have to find all these bugs blah 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 that i don't know what's going to happen with that but my theory is as they're progressing to try and figure things out roma is so angry with juliet that when juliet comes forward to show hey marshall's alive benedict will come and be like oh my gosh thank you hug uh marshall and like be so grateful like trust juliet a little bit more because she did this for them and roma will be standoffish because he'll just be like okay yeah you did that but you're still a horrible person i don't trust you you like me yeah and so i don't think that he will accept her for a while and she will definitely have to do a lot of making up to do i maybe they don't end up together in the end maybe that's the romeo and juliet and maybe that's the play on the romeo juliet whereas because we know they don't end up together in the regular movie because they both die they don't have a happy ending so maybe the happy ending in here is they don't end up together because they're really toxic for each other are they though are they let's let's look at the facts let's look at the facts are they toxic to each other to each other to each other no but i feel like out i feel like even i feel like now it's gonna be very toxic because now julia is gonna have to experience roma's pain and roma's hatred towards her so it's gonna be a little bit like iffy i don't think roma would allow himself to do anything to juliet he'll rather not But toxic doesn't mean you have to do anything physically to them right but i just think he'll just be like i i want nothing to do with you and that's fine to do yeah it's his it's his right and that's not being toxic that's not being like mentally or like emotionally abusive that's true i'm not thinking of toxic like in an abusive way i'm thinking toxic of like this isn't working kind of toxic yeah but that would go into show that they're they know that it doesn't work and they keep trying yeah that's true i'm just tearing all of your things down right now we don't know what happens it could happen where they realize that it's not going to work out for them and they like they try like they and it just doesn't work it could get to the point where it becomes toxic of them if they try don't shoot down my don't shoot down my theories (laughs) no no no, 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 no. i'm just saying that that's how you're you're wording it is like you saying maybe in the next book they try to get together but problems keep arising which then makes it toxic right now it's not toxic 
No, it's not toxic right now. Right now it's not toxic because that's what I was defending because I'm just like, no, this is like the one relationship where it's literally not toxic. No, They're yeah. They're really not trying to actively kill you. Like, yeah, they'll say it, but they won't. They're yeah. not. They- no, Roma won't let himself actually hurt Juliet. Ever. And she, though she like thinks that she might, she won't either. They're like the actual, <laughs> they're basically like the most healthiest relationship that I've read about in any of my books in the past seven months. Yeah. The healthiest relationship, honestly. And that's saying a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think that that would be really sad if they don't end up together. I honestly would be okay if they didn't end up together. I would not either. Sorry if you can hear that in the background. I can't hear anything. Well, you'll probably hear it on the recording. Anyways, um, I think that they, they'll be mad. He'll be mad at her for at least halfway of the book. It's a Romeo and Juliet retelling. We know it's not a happy ending. No, 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 no. I refuse to believe this because as we have stated before. It's not a classic Romeo and Juliet retelling elements of Romeo and Juliet and shifted them to do something else so Mercutio was supposed to die and yet Marshall lives fine right (laughs) I they might die they might not end up together at the end it'd be that that they die or they just aren't together anymore one of them dies something happens run away they fake their deaths and they run away honestly I would be okay with that (laughs) I would too where would they run to? And like that, that America. Like, no, 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 or no. Or Russia. You remember that part where they talked about this? Because remember, they had to confess their loves, they kissed and everything, which oh yeah. My heart throb. Um, they had this like whole heart to heart and how like he's always loved her and like he let's just pause for a second. In a book, um Grace. Yeah. We've gone over an hour, just letting you know. I know. I was looking at the time, too. Okay. We're, we're going to end soon. I promise. Look, in a book, when it's like an enemies to lovers or like whatever happens, and then like there's a moment where they're having the heart to heart, and the male character or the one of the love interests, it's usually the guy who ends up coming forward and saying, like, I've loved you all at this time. This is why I did everything. And you believe that I wouldn't love you. And you believe that, of course, I love you. Of course, I would do, I would go to the ends of all this whole thing that he says, confessing all of his feelings and how he's been in pain because of it, what he's had to suffer to protect her, to help her, to save her, whatever. Those moments hit so hard because it comes from the guy that's how I know it's fiction because that'll never happen genuinely and I made this joke to myself a couple days ago I was just like if my fiance does not go into my books and look at those moments those heartfelt moments of like declaration of loves and take direct quotes from all of those scenes to make his wedding vows, I don't want it. Your standards are way too high. Oh, I don't think so. 
And I'm putting this out there right now. Honey, my fiance, you out there listening to this podcast because Maggie told you to come look at this podcast because the answer for your vows are right here. You're welcome. Do this. A couple of examples of where you can pick from. From Blood and Ash, these violent delights. The Mouth and the Dog. What other book? A couple of others. Pick from there. But um, so that scene with uh, Romeo, with Roma and Juliet was like really, really heartfelt. And I forgot my whole point with that. What was I saying? I have no idea. <laughs> I kind of zoned out a little bit. I was so confused of where this was all going. Because that, that moment happened and then they were talking about running away. That's what it was. They were talking about running away. And then it gives like this whole rant about America. Like you think that it's so great. And like that scene hits, that paragraph hit hard. That's why I don't think they're going to run to America. Honestly, they could go to France. They could go to Russia. They could go. I say France. I France will be, France will be cute. France, because guess what? It's from in France. In no, it's 19- Italy. In 1920s? No, where is Romeo and Juliet set in? For mm-hmm. it's Italy. Oh. And he go to Italy. <laughs> and he could he could actually become a Montague. That part where he went into the Larkspurs, like or yeah. what uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he she was like Montague is his last name. And you were like and everybody was like, What what? Yes, because it was so funny. Like those little Easter eggs. But yeah. Um overall i'm i have no idea what's gonna happen and i'm i honestly have no idea i can only guess and all of my guesses are gonna be wrong we tried to guess and we still didn't we didn't know so this book was probably the best book that i've read this year so far yeah uh i i think my reading slump i probably will have to reread it in order to fully give it like love it because I did hit that reading slump so I felt like I wasn't really connecting with it but it still was an amazing story so I still did give it that four out of five stars but um kind of to wrap it up um I enjoyed it even though I had a reading slump in the I literally took a week off from reading it and I didn't read for a week um which is saying a lot for me (laughs) um um what was I gonna say? I don't remember. <laughs> well, yeah, that was our we little review. Uh, on these violet delights, I don't know. The fan art for this has been immaculate. The all yes. BX um, romance that that commission was amazing. Um, I currently have my all create edition. It's a little dented, a little bit. I'm going to actually be selling this copy of it because it's a little dented and for my youtube viewers you'll see what i'm talking about um the foiling right here there's a couple of patches of foiling where outside of the dagger and rose design um but i'm going to be selling this edition because owlcrate did send me a replacement for it so i will probably make a listing of this not this week but maybe next week for it um Mm -hmm. And so if you guys are interested in buying an Owl Crate edition, you could just message me and I'll probably sell it to you di- directly. We'll see. Um, but I have a question real quick. 
ending on these violent delights um what are you reading right now maggie oh <laughs> so um, carly just snorted at that um so i am currently wiki wicket we i am currently reading wicked saints by emily a duncan that's the first book i'm reading amazing i just wanted to take a break because i needed a good romance book for valentine's day and so the lovely ladies of kennedy fox put me on their like arc team so i received an arc for um pushing you away and it's part of their convicts series um so it's ex-convicts falling in love or convicts ex mm-hmm. men getting out of jail and falling in love is all you need to know um <laughs> and the first one is called keeping you away um let me go back to like the first page so you can see this beautiful cover of a man um <laughs> uh i read it in ebook copies because i'm too ashamed <laughs> to have them in my, in my regular library plus i can't pay 12 dollars for these um but this is keeping you away um it's by kennedy fox um i'll have it linked down below but that's the first book and then i'm currently reading right now the second book of that like duet which is meeting you close Ooh. and, and is then, the one out already so the first it's like a six so they do like a six part series usually or like where it's like three duets in the whole series so they had like the checkmate series where it was three duets and so this one they have the first duet is done um and so i'm on the second book of the first duet and then they gave me the first book of the second duet which is pushing you away um and so i have the arc edition um and um <laughs> did you hear her coughing oh you, look my roommate's coughing it's scaring me oh, no. they sent me it because it's releasing on it's already released once this episode goes out um so you go check my instagram or my tiktok to see my review of it because i will be posting a review for pushing you away and the first duet of keep uh keeping you close so right needing you close keeping you away is what it's called what are you reading grace i am reading this gorgeous book uh you had me at ola can we take a second to just appreciate that cover art because it's just beautiful um i will post um the artist's um information who did this cover art because he's amazing um and it's by alexis daria this book and it is this i i'm sorry hold on a second because somebody wants to come in (laughs) come in my love it's my dog it's my dog lola okay so you had me at ola is basically about these um two actors on a novella series in New York. One is from Los Angeles and it's full of Latinx rep. It's about a novella that they're filming and they have, they both have their scandals going on behind the stage. She's recovering from a messy breakup all over tabloids. And he is very private in his life because of things that happened in his past early on in his career. As the story develops, 
as they film on set, romance is blooming on set. They have to become, you know, that perfect um, on-screen tension and chemistry. And through that, they become friends and, you know, the story develops and the romance builds. I'm about halfway through right now. And I gotta say the Latinx rep in this, is so accurate and so realistic to the point that I feel like I'm reading about my cousin. I'm reading about my cousin and I'm watching Jane the Virgin. That's what it feels like. So if you watch Jane the Virgin and you like it, that's just, this is what that is in book form, not the whole storyline, but just that feel because you do get scenes of them filming or being on, on, on set or recording things like that. And those so Carly themes. just leans up and she goes, I love Jane the Virgin. <laughs> this is what she needs to read this is going to be the one book that she actually reads then i'm gonna send it to her carly i'm sending you this copy she said she she she, she came back out of the dead <laughs> she went back down. going to get this copy she's going to enjoy it did you because annotate it no i haven't I wanted to, but I just haven't. Uh, anyways, I actually got this copy from Celine. This is my mm -hmm. gift. For, um, I got it from Celine at Moon Girl Reads. Uh, and it's absolutely amazing. I, I picked it up for um, my color code, color themed February to BR, which is all my pink books. And this one it is it. It's just so good. It feels like a soap opera. It feels funny. It feels relaxed and cheesy romantic, but not overly cheesy romantic because the romance hasn't even bloomed fully yet it's a slow it, burn a little bit because both you, of our books are slow burns a little bit yeah yeah because like even though they both feel a physical attraction like she cannot stop talking about how handsome this dude is and I'm just like I need to see him and he cannot stop talking about how amazing she is not just how she looks but just like her brightness, her, her just everything about, and they talk about smell literally within the first two minutes of meeting each other, both of them. And you know that that's a sign that they're already instantly attracted to each other. And their meet cute is just so, like that would happen in the TV show. Did you just reference a meet cute? Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna make us cry. We just watched the last of the trio to all the boys I loved. Um, we watched Always and Forever. We just watched that. And yeah. she talked about the meet cute. And that's the first time I ever heard about that. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've They're never heard of a meet cute. But Carly just like got on. She like woke up from the dead. And she's like, <laughs> we <laughs> cried. We cried today a little. That's how you know we're from different generations. Because I learned about meet cute from um, the holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate, what's her name, from Titanic? Kate Winslow? Winslet? Winslet. <laughs> I'm not listening to Carly. Um, we should yeah. probably wrap it up right here. We should. Um, <laughs> final thoughts, you guys should go read this book. Yes. Peep that I guess it's already been announced, but our next guest on the podcast is going to be Kate's books. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited to meet. Well, I I know her already, but 
to have her on the show, the mother of book talk. <sighs> to yeah. have her, that's going to be amazing. So definitely keep an eye out for our story posts because you're definitely going to want to give her some questions that you guys have been wanting to ask her about anything, about book talk, about being a creator, about reading her, her journey. Um, any questions that you might have for her, make sure to drop them into our Instagram story. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening to us rant about um, these violent delights. Um, anything to add, Grace? Nope. I think that is all. Oh, and I hope that you guys all had a happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. We're both single, so we'll both be... We're, we're going to watch Pride and Prejudice is what we're doing. We're having a Pride and Prejudice watch party. We were having a, a, a Galentine's Day night watch party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and excited. Yeah. But, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, links to everything will be, as always, in the description. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, you can always find us on our social medias, which will all be linked down below. And stay tuned for next week when we talk about, we talk to Kate. So we'll see ya. Bye.